Matt, my wife is going to come on up and share today's message. Um, when I was thinking about having somebody come on up here, it's been a while since she's come and shared, and so uh, I asked if she would, and she was so gracious and said yes. Here I am. Hi. So I don't like microphones. <laughs> Just going to start with that. But um, when Luke asked me to do this, um, there was already some stuff that God had been stirring in me. And um, so it's not an accident that I ended up here doing this today. And so I just, my one hope is that this is for his glory and, and that whatever I share is his words, not mine. Um, I want to start today, though, in Galatians. So it is page 1031 in the Table Bibles, but it should be, the reference should be up there. We're going to start at the beginning. Um, and this was spurred on by a friend um, shared something on social media, and that got me reading in the book of Galatians, and there is so much in that book. Oh, my goodness. It was just jumping off the page at me. And if you get a chance online, um, there is a commentary website called Enduring Word, and I use that for some of my notes for this. It's an excellent, excellent resource if you want something to take your studies a little deeper and really just go verse by verse and unpack all the things that God has in his word for us, because there is a lot. So I'm going to read this here and go from there. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I am amazed that you are turning so quickly away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that short little section. Um, a couple of things that I learned in doing some research on this is when Paul was writing to, in the book of Galatians, he's writing to the region of Galatia. Like, some of the other books that he wrote were to specific individual, like an individual church. Um, but this was not. This was to a region. So there's a lot of people that are impacted by what he is saying here. This isn't like one small group. This is a whole area or a whole big group. There's several churches um, and there's some debate, too, about whether it was the northern region or the southern region, but that got, I didn't have time for that. <laughs> um, the point is that this is not to a small group, but this is to a lot of people. Um, another thing, unlike some of his other letters, he skips some of the thanksgiving and, and praise things, um, where he's like, I'm so thankful for all you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Nope, he gets right to the point. Um, because he's very concerned. He's, like, that proves how concerned he is about what is going on and what is being taught to these new believers. Um, 
the people he's writing to were believers, but they were Gentiles. They were not um, Jewish by birth. Obviously, I'm assuming a lot of you know that component. Um, but they were being influenced after receiving salvation. They were being influenced by these other people that were trying to convince them that in order to be truly saved, they still needed to follow some of the um, Old Testament laws. And a lot of the debate had to do with, with circumcision and things of that nature. And so these new believers were, had accepted the gospel. They had understood it. They'd received it. And then they heard from these other people. They're like, oh, I guess we got to go do this stuff too. And Paul's like, wait, what are you doing? Why are you turning away? And he was very, very concerned about this false teaching and this false gospel and what it was doing. Um, it really was messing things up. Now, that's where I kind of wanted to go with it, this whole concept of a false gospel and kind of talking about that. So what is essentially a false gospel? The best way to identify a fake is by understanding what's real. If you work in the banking, you know, the way they, they always talk about how in banks, the way that bankers are taught to identify fake money is they learn in detail what real money looks like, what real bills look like. They, they learn the ins and outs and the feel and the weight of it and the, the printing and the little details. So they don't spend a lot of time studying what's fake. They study what's real and they know what's real because they spend time studying it. Um, I've got to check my notes. <laughs> Worn off my notes a little bit. So when we want to look at the gospel and figure out what is the true gospel, you know, we want to differentiate between fake and real. We need to look at what is the true gospel. And that can be summed up as this. It is what Jesus did for us as revealed by the scriptures and proven by the resurrection. It's essentially, in a nutshell, it is Christ crucified for my sins. It is Christ crucified for your sins. That is the gospel. That's, that's it. There is not anything added to that. You can't take anything away from it. That's it. So if we know that that's the true gospel, what's a fake gospel? Or what is a false gospel? There was a quote on that website that I referenced that I, I really felt was very powerful. And it stated, a false gospel is anything that causes one to turn away from the person of Jesus Christ. So any message or idea or concept that causes you to turn away from the person of Jesus. So how do we apply that right now and for today? Because obviously we don't have the same kind of false gospel going around that they did then. There's nobody out here claiming that in order to be saved, y'all got to go get circumcised or you got to follow these Levitical laws and do all these things. That isn't the false gospel that we are experiencing, but I do believe that there are false gospels out there and it is plaguing our churches in a very, very serious way. How do we answer what a false gospel is today? We ask ourselves, what are we turning to? What are we turning to in two ways? What are we turning to as believers individually and what are we turning to as churches, you know, as a group? as Christians on the whole, what are we turning to? Like, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, we've been through a few things last couple years, you know? There's been political turmoil. There has been, obviously, the whole COVID thing. There are social issues galore. Take your pick. There's a lot of stuff. And there is a lot of noise online and in the media and on TV. And there's a lot of opinions. And a lot of people are getting really, really wrapped up in those ideas 
and those opinions and those social issues. And when we get too wrapped up in it, it causes a problem. This is an example, might step on some toes, but it is what it is. I am incredibly thankful to live in America. I'm incredibly thankful to be an American. I am grateful for those people who have fought and died so that I can be standing here today and freely share these things with you. That is a privilege that other people don't have. But Jesus, forgive me if I ever make my allegiance to this country go so far above the gospel that anyone thinks being an American is what makes me a Christian. Because that's not the gospel. And recently I've had the opportunity to work with some foreign exchange students and a foreign exchange student uh, organization. And as I've gotten to see some of that, um, that's kind of a perception around the world, that you're Christian because you're an American. And that's not the truth. That's a false gospel. There's a lot of Americans who aren't believers. And so we got to be careful, guys. we got to be careful what we're posting and what we're sharing, what, what memes we're... You know, ah, memes, seriously. They're funny sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I like a good funny meme. But sometimes it puts information in a nutshell that shouldn't be put in a snippet in a nutshell. Because there's other different ideas out there that are just like, you know, being proud to be American. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it, if it goes above the gospel, if that's what somebody knows about me before they know that I love Jesus and that Jesus died for me, if they know I'm an American first, that's a problem. I got to fix that. And it's other things too. It's a political affiliation. It's social issues, whether, you know, the, the whole who you voted for or racism or all these things. And those things are important and we need to address them. But they can't go before the gospel. So we've got to ask ourselves, who are we turning to? What are we turning to? And then on the inside, just for us personally in our daily lives, what are we turning to? Are we turning to things that bring us temporary joy? I have in my notes things like tacos or sex or money that's temporary joy. Are we getting, you know, like food or, or our own personal pleasure? Do we put that above the gospel? Do we put that above our time with God, above sharing the gospel? Are we more willing to share this great recipe that we found or this really great store or this really cool thing than we are Jesus? Or is it busyness? Are we just so wrapped up in being busy with kids? I got four kids. We're busy. It is busy, and, and, and some busyness is unavoidable. But is it going before the gospel? And I could go on and on and on. But here's the thing. There is a dying world out there. There's a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. A lot of people. Any of us in this I'm assuming the majority of us, as I look out, I know most of you, and I know most of you know who Jesus is and have a personal relationship with him. So I don't think that that's a thing that we, you know, I think you guys know where I'm coming from with this. But there's a lot of people out there that don't know him. They don't understand when we're singing that goodness of God song. They don't get, they don't know that. They don't know the goodness of God yet because nobody has shared it with them because we're too busy sharing memes and YouTube videos about who knows what. So the thing is, is those things, when we're done, when, the, when this life is over, those things won't matter anymore. They're not going to matter. They're going to go away. And it doesn't matter who you voted for. That's not going to save anybody. 
it doesn't matter if you're back in the blue line or you're protesting with Black Lives Matter. It, does that, that it doesn't matter because neither one of those things are going to save anybody. And those things are still important. I'm not saying that they're not. But they are not as important as the gospel. The world is watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our friends are watching. My parents are watching. My sister is watching. My family does not know the Lord. And if we are caught up in preaching a false gospel, then they are getting a false gospel. That's the gospel they get. They get the gospel of whatever we're prioritizing, whatever we're posting. And I tell you what, when I have conversations with my unsaved family and with my unsaved friends, they don't know things like the goodness of God. They just know political affiliations. They know social media opinions. It is. And the reality is if we're not sharing the gospel first, then it's like I said, whatever gospel we share is the gospel they get. And I think that's why Paul was so concerned. Because not only were these new believers being led astray, if they embraced this false gospel, then they were going to share that false gospel. And then that's the gospel that gets spread. And that doesn't do anything for anybody. You know? Um, I can't explain in words what it is to talk to my unsaved family members and my unsaved friends that are like siblings to me, you know? Um, and hear what they have to say about Christians. It's, it's not a fun thing, but I, I saw a meme um, <laughs> the other day, a, couple, a while ago. And uh, this, this one stung. It was, it was uh, I want to make sure I say it right. But the, the person was not a believer. And they said, uh, you know, something to the effect of, of dear conservative Christians, getting to spend eternity with y'all is not the selling point you think it is. That's tough to hear. But if that's what they're hearing, we got to think about what we're saying. You know, because, and I get it. There's a lot of ideas out there, and a lot of people are going to think what they think, and it, it doesn't always matter what we say to everybody. But it matters to some. It makes a difference. And so we want to make sure that we know the, the real gospel, that we prioritize that. And then that's what we're sharing. Because at the end of the day, what matters is turning towards the person of Jesus Christ. That's what matters. Um, This is going to be shorter than I thought. (laughs) Because I'm almost done. Um, But one of the things is trying to think of different things that um, I could use in this and, and different ways that God has shown me different things. I remembered a situation when we were moving here. It's been seven years this month that we officially got this gig, <laughs> which is weird because some days it feels like it's been 10 minutes and some days it feels like I've never lived anywhere else. Um, but it was a project to get here. I was not expecting to move. We had bought a house in Zimmerman. I had some of the sweetest, sweetest friends there. We were close to my parents. We were close to Luke's parents. I loved my life there. I loved it. But when this opportunity came up, I knew, um, I knew we were supposed to do this. 100% knew. Did not like it, but I knew. 
Um, and so we had to do a lot of different, there's a lot of logistical things to figure out in getting here. We obviously had to figure out when and where we were going to live. So the first time we ever stepped foot in this town was in July. And we snuck it. We kind of came into church, and we didn't tell people who we were or what we were doing. We just wanted to kind of check it out. So we did that. Less than a month later in August, um, August 6th, 2014, I still know, <laughs> um, we came up and did uh, a one-day, drove up from the city, so it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive, drove up from the cities and had met with a realtor to look at properties and then met with some friends that had something we could rent, and that's what we were we were going to figure out what our housing options were um, because we had to figure out where we could put three kids, a gigantic dog that we had at the time. He was a Newfoundland mix and a cat, and my son had rats in a cage. <laughs> um, and so we were, we were thinking it's going to be easier to buy a house than it is to rent because trying to rent in this town with a goldfish is more complicated than it just it's complicated <laughs> and I get it a clean apartments I know why people don't want pets in apartments like I love my pets but I get why yeah so anywho we're, we're looking at houses and we've got a whole list of places to look at and then also one apartment that was rented that that we had friends that had it available and we're gonna look at that and I was not interested in renting at all did not want to rent but we looked at it, and I'm like, okay, cool. This is weird. Uh, it was fine. I mean, I, the kitchen was in the basement, and the dining room was upstairs. So it was okay. And then we looked at all these other houses, and there were some that were really cute. And there's one that's actually not far from where we live now, and I was really, really hoping that one would be cool. And I got there, and it was not. Not even kind of. It was, like, it looked great online. The pictures definitely did it justice. Because walking through there, I'm like, this does not make any sense at all. And so that one was a flop. And there were several others that were a flop. And then the last one was a house that was owned by the people who were also offering us a place, uh, a rental. They had a house and a rental. And they said, we might be able to buy that. So I was also very excited about that. It was on the river. I'm like, oh, that would be cool. And I'm just like, God, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the house you have for us. This will be great. And they couldn't show us the inside. But we we're going to go drive past. They told us how to get there. We we're going to go drive past and take a look at it. And we get there, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This, no. Um, one of the things in our previous house, I couldn't see when people came to the door. And so I told God, I'm like, I, I know this is a, you're not a genie in a bottle, but I really need to be able to see when people are coming to my door. I want my home to be welcoming, and I want to know when they're coming. Um, and not just so that I can get the dog out of the way, but just <laughs> to know. And we get there, and, like, I couldn't even tell where the front door was, honestly. And by this point, I think we'd been through the apartment and probably five or six other houses, and we'd gotten up super, super early, and then we go to look at this house, and it's not what I was thinking, and nothing was what I was thinking it was going to be. And I had a really nasty headache, and I was really tired, and I was just really overwhelmed by the whole, the whole thing of it. This is only the second time I'd ever been here when we first heard of Thief River and somebody mentioned it. I'm like, that's like by Brainerd, right? So I had no <laughs> frame of reference for anything here. And I remember so vividly standing outside of that house, the last house, with my pounding headache and just brain fog at that point. And going, God, what do you have for us here? What, what do you have for us here? Because I don't want to be disobedient, but for reals, like, what do you have for us here? And I wasn't, like, in major prayer time. I wasn't, like, 
seriously asking, expecting him to be like, well, I have this, this, and this. Um, it was just kind of a, almost a rhetorical, like, what do you have here for us? Like, I wasn't expecting answer. And it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. He said, me. And he's not done, I don't, I'm not someone that gets a whole lot of words and, and things like that. Um, I respect that, that kind of, that God does those things. I don't, you know, I believe that he does prophetic things and stuff like that, but that's not something I'm super skilled at. So I can count on one hand and have fingers left over um, for the times where I have heard him speak that clear. And he didn't say anything but me. Like, he had him for me. That's what was here for me. And it just, it kind of shook me out of my headache, and it kind of stopped me in my tracks. Like, it really caught me off guard. And I spent the next couple weeks thinking, I'm like, okay, for all of my hesitation in getting here and, and hesitation in moving, if that's what he truly has for me, why am I not dropping everything I have and running as fast as I can to get here? And that's where I want us to be today still. Because that's still true for me, and it's still true for everybody here. What does he have for us right now here today? He has himself. And that is the crux of the gospel. That's, that's, the, that's the point. It's him. It's him and us in that relationship. That's the part that matters. And when we get that, if we have him, that's what we're sharing. That's the gospel that people hear. That's the gospel people see. And that's the gospel that makes a difference. On that note, worship team can come on up. It's it's really hard to watch how many people don't know how good he really is and see that. Because they're missing so stinking much. And we have it, we have it. That's what we get to share. And it matters so much more than our politics or our social opinions or, or anything else because all that stuff is going to go away. All that stuff is going to fade away. All that stuff, nothing, none of that can make a genuine difference in anyone's life. But he can, and he does.
things I've said, the choices made that I regret. Oh, I would still be lost, but for the mercy of God, now I'm alive to tell the story. power of the blood I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done the goodness and mercy and the power of the blood oh it's the power of the blood oh was the cross meant for me that my Savior carry. Now I've been made free by the mercy of God. Was the grave meant for me where my sin laid buried. Now I stand redeemed by the mercy of God. Was the cross meant for me where my Savior carried now I've been made free by the mercy of God was the grave meant for me where my sin laid buried now I stand redeemed by the mercy of God now I'm alive to tell the story I've overcome it's his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done his goodness and mercy and the power of the blood sing that again his goodness and mercy and the power
just want to give you opportunity. I don't know where you're at. I don't. And I don't care if you've been sitting in a pew all your life or a chair listening to scripture. Katie and I are going to be up here, Pastor Luke too. And you come if you don't know Jesus. It is as simple as this. Jesus is the Son of God. And he came and he lived on this earth as a man. Read it. Any gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read all four. Find out who he is. And he lived as a man. And he died. And that death on the cross takes care of our sins forever. But we have to do something first because it's a gift he wants to give to you. But you have to receive it. You don't have to work for it. You have to receive it. So he stands with his arms open wide and he says, here I am. I want to give you life. Eternal life starting today. And when you come to him and you confess sin, I've done some really wrong things, and you ask him to forgive you, he does. And all of that sin doesn't get covered up, but it gets washed away. Washed away. And you know what that does? It restores relationship. Because God cannot dwell where there is sin. God created you. You know that? He created you. He knew you by name before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. God knew you. And he loves you. And he wants relationship with you. And the only way is through his son, Jesus Christ.